Hello and welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann, and I would like to extend my gratitude to you for making me a part of your listening experience. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there to choose from, and the fact that you're right here with me right now, I thank you. If you're a new listener, go and subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us out in the podcast space so much. And speaking of podcast space, today's guest is also a fellow podcaster. I've visited his podcast and really enjoyed it. And since then, started to follow his podcast, has some really interesting guests. We will get to him, but before we like to do a little catching up here, and it's the holidays. And New York City is packed. For those people who said it was going to be a ghost town, oh no. It is back to the point where you're sitting in traffic to go nowhere. And your Uber hits you and says it's five minutes away. And then it's 18 minutes away. And then it's 27 minutes away. Uh, Some of the streets are closed for like winter villages. But it's definitely more of a walkable time right now. You got to struggle through it. It's cold. But it's packed. And it's exciting. It is so exciting to see everybody checking out all the lights, going to see the tree, visiting the city, going to the park. Like it's just the perfect time. We've had some wild Northeast weather. Anybody in the Northeast can relate. Like the other day it was super warm out. Like you didn't really need a jacket. I took my jacket off. I was like, okay, this is weird. The day before that it was, I'm wearing my coat that is really more like a comforter with a zipper. It goes all the way down to my feet. This thing is so warm. Uh, so it's been sporadic, but when I can get out and I do see it's going to be nice out, I'm all about checking out the crowds and getting into some shenanigans. So Saturday, I decided to get into shenanigans with my new co-host, Brett Raybold, who has been a guest on my podcast. And we got to know each other through that. He's brilliant. He's funny. He's a comedian. He's also a writer, wrote a play that I've gone to see twice. He has something else coming up in the city at Playwright Theater on Wednesday, December 20th. He's doing a live table read with Dean Cook. I mean, that is, Dane Cook is amazing. Dane Cook, I mean, this is huge. So he's excited, I'm excited. And so Saturday, we went out to shoot content to promote our new show, Better Haves. Better Haves is gonna air this Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time on the Raw Comedy Channel on Sirius XM. We already have a couple in the can. We're going back into studio the next two days. So excited to be back in the Sirius XM studio. So we thought it would be fun to go out with a crew and shoot some man on the street interviews. Now, if you've seen, I'm normally quite a failure at man on the street interviews. I did man on the street interviews for Ticket Rev, the sponsor of my podcast, my good friend, Jason Shatsky, who took me out to a fabulous dinner with he and some friends on on Saturday night at a private club. Like it was seven hours of eating. It was insane. But back to my man on the street, poor skills. We went to Washington Square Park on a Sunday morning. And I feel like that area, Sunday morning, it seemed like everybody that was walking was like walking to somewhere. And we put up these banners, which made it look even more sus. And I'm walking up to people asking them where they get their concert tickets. So I really did just look like a salesperson. Nobody was making eye contact. Nobody recognized me. Nobody cared. And it was funny because when you live in New York, you walk by those people all the time. You act like you can't hear them or you have your earbuds in and you really can't hear them, but you just ignore. And so they ignored me. And about 20 minutes into being ignored, I went to Jason and Allie was shooting and JB was there and said, hey, I think this reel is only going to be successful if we celebrate it as a failure. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the interviews that we're walking away from because people are saying no, and we're going to use those. 
Fast forward to this past Saturday when Brett and I are going to get out together. Brett is just so, it's so easy for Brett to walk up to people. He's so approachable for some reason. His gawky 6'5-ish, he just, he's just easy to talk to. So he wore a white tuxedo. We went into Times Square. We started at the Winter Village. We went there and we asked couples, who is the better half when it comes to gift giving? Because our show is called Better Halves. We thought that would be super fun. No one said no. Like Brett can just reach over people, be like, hey, do you want to talk for a second? I'm like, he, his, his height is such an advantage. Uh, and he was gathering people and, and everybody seems to be very drawn to him. Like, I get it. I'm drawn to him. He's funny. So it was easy and it was fun. And so we've got all this content created that I'm going to start releasing this week once the reels are finished, once the photos are processed, and we're going to use it for the six weeks of this show. So this show is a six-week pilot, six episodes we're recording. And if SiriusXM and listeners like it, uh, well, what will happen is we will get picked up as a regular show. And I'd love to be back in the building doing a weekly show at SiriusXM again. I am so happy that I've started to get out and do more events and not just events traveling, but events local. Like just going to Sapphire every Thursday night, you know, I go in there around 4.35. I record an episode of my other podcast, which is called Lisa Ann's Backstage Condos. And I get to interview the talent that's coming through to feature at the three different Sapphire locations in New York City. There's one in Times Square, there's one on 60th, and there's one on 39th. So Andrew, who's amazing, Andrew sets up the studio. And for me, it's a podcast where I get to walk in and be talent. I sit down in a chair, everything's set up. I don't have to worry about the content. I don't have to worry about a file. I don't have to worry about getting bumped off the internet. None of this matters. I'm not producing this podcast. I'm just talent. So I come in, I do my interview. It's great. Then he and I will sit and chop it up for a little bit. Then I have dinner there because Sapphire has great food. Uh, They have amazing chefs at all of their locations. So then I have dinner there. And then my friends start to arrive. I kick back. I watch the game. And that having something where I've gotten out every week, same day, has been interesting for me because I've realized I either go to the airport to get out or I do my little things around the city, but I'm not going into a building to work, to be present, unless it's a special event. And so I realized from this Thursday thing, this event that I love doing at Sapphire 39 every Thursday night for Thursday Night Football, I realized that it's made me understand how much I missed in-person interactions with other people. How much I look forward to seeing Andrew. We text a little bit during the week about the episode that's releasing on Tuesday because that podcast released every Tuesday. Um, We talk a little bit, but we save all of our conversation for Thursday. And so after the podcast, we'll chop it up, which you guys, him and his wife and his family, which you guys do last weekend. They're talking about decorating, all these things. And that had really inspired me to have a deeper conversation with myself about a month into doing these Thursday night events at Sapphire of, wow, did you not identify that this was something truly missing? And how amazing is it that you have this new show with Brett Raybould to look forward to because I this has been in the works since I did a first one with Matt Reif as a one-off for Valentine's Day. And we took dating questions and Matt Reif is like so blown up, right? I got so lucky to have Matt Reif do this with me. And so that was what inspired SiriusXM to talk to my agent, to talk to me and say, hey, you know, this might be something we'd want to do. What's cool about it is when we have comedians on 
And those comedians then for a couple hours after the show, they'll be playing clips from their shows. Those comedians get residuals on those clips. So it's kind of cool. Sirius XM is playing their content on the comedy channel. That's how that works for them. So all the comedians have been telling me this, like, this is cool. I'm like, okay, this is great too. But getting back in studio and being around and there's so many people at the building that I hadn't seen in years, but still remember everybody. It has been a breath of fresh air. Like when I get home, I'm like, okay, now you've got to get back into all of your other stuff. You know, like what wine orders do you need to finish up? Where do you have a tasting? What's going on there? Uh, what other projects are you working on? What does everybody need right now in that chaos? I get to just chill in studio. I don't have to worry about, again, uploading the content, the internet, the downloads, the mic's not connected, which does happen sometimes when you do an interview. Um, so it's exciting. The show airs this Friday, the first episode. We've had some great comedians in-house already. I don't want to tell you too much uh, beforehand, but you'll be seeing it on my socials, which are at The Really Sam. And all of the socials for our new show is at Better Haves SXM for Sirius XM. So at Better Haves SXM. SM. That is tougher than you'd think after you do it a couple of times, but you can follow on those socials. We'll be dropping some of the fun stuff we shot the other day. We went into a, I love New York tchotchke store and did better halves gift stuff in there as well. Like just having a ton of fun with something that's so creative and so free flowing. You're going to love the show. Please support it because we want it to be picked up and we definitely want it to be a regular show. So last week was one of those weeks where I keep thinking, I can't wait till the holidays because everybody else is going to be busy and they're not going to be emailing me and I'm not going to be doing as many things. Last week just was a blur and I did have one fun day factored into that. And that was Tuesday with Joanna Angel. So small hands is out of town. He's back now. But when he goes out of town, I try and make more plans with Joanna. So she has some activities, right? This is what you do with your married friends when their spouse is on a business trip. And so I had gotten my second invite to a Christian Louboutin sample sale. Day one, hour one that it's open. These things go on for a week. Going day one, you're getting the best, least picked over items. So when I got the invite uh, about a month or so ago, I reached out to Joanne. I'm like, you're up. I have to take a different friend each time. And it just so happened Kay went to the first one. Shout out to Kay. Because Kay was in town creating content. We'd had the content scheduled and when I got the invite and it was like kind of a little bit of conflict, I was like, Hey, you have to come with me because I wasn't going to not take this invitation because we had work to do. It's an hour. We'll be in and out of there. And Kay scored a super sick pair of black, uh, high tops that I got for Kay for Kay's 30th birthday. So I hit up Joanna. We're going to go. So Joanna and I plan, we're going to meet at the sample sale at 11 AM. And then we're going to spend the day together. We're going to go to lunch. We're going to go. She wanted to go to Bergdorf's to buy a bunch of Hanukkah gifts. She did a Hanukkah thing on Friday night with her family. And she loves the way they wrap everything. And she loves that they have small little gifts up in this seventh floor. I had never been in there. She took me to this beautiful bar there. Like I was like, what am I missing out on that Joanna is teaching me? And then what is she missing out on that I took her? So it was funny. We do the sale. I got six pairs. She got three pair of really beautiful thigh high boots. Um, very good prices. We were both like blown away. Six pair. I could have got one pair at full price. So we're thrilled. We're going to go back to my apartment, drop bags, go out to lunch, and then walk to Borgers. We get back here. We both realize we should wear a new pair of our shoes, just like teenagers do when you get a new pair of shoes. Joanna's like, I want to wear these thigh high leather boots. I'm like, all right. She had a leather skirt on. She looked amazing. I was like, all right, you want to walk, you know, 
30 blocks uh, in these brand new shoes. Okay, this is how you want to break them in. I'm down. I, I'll put on a pair. I put on a cute pair of camel colored, like burnt camel colored booties that I'm in love with. And I'm a very chunky heel. So easy to walk in the city. Platforms, but chunky heel. So we did it. We came back, put on our new shoes, and then went out for the rest of the day. And we had the absolute best day. Just didn't really, you know, check my phone, just lived uninterrupted because I had gotten up that morning at 4 a.m. And I bring this up because when I put out a post about the fabulous day that Joanna and I just had, one of my fans who knows me very well tweeted, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this. You took a day off like during the week. And so I wrote back, I said, well, actually I got up at four. I worked from four to six. I went to the gym from six to seven. From seven to eight, I got dressed and ready. And then from eight to 10, I worked. And then I went to see Joanna. So it wasn't a total lost day on being productive. I just knew I could hammer out the important things and just put everything aside. I emailed some people like, hey, I'm going to be out of the office for the day. Anything you need, I'll get to it tomorrow. Because I just didn't want to see emails coming in and feel guilty that it's a Tuesday and I'm not responding. But man, just hanging out with a friend and we had a great lunch and then we got a cocktail at that fancy bar and just like being like, it was like the most New York City day ever. And I had the best time with Joanna. We just, it was awesome. So sometimes those days are such fuel in your tank. The rest of the week, having a million things going on. I had a content shoot at Sucker Punch Sports Bar because now I'm hosting there on Sundays for the early games. Uh, they're carrying my wine. So I'm in there. So we had, I did a content shoot there. So we had promo picks to use. Then I had a bunch of meetings. Then I had my Thursday night podcast. I like rolled in. Everybody was already there. I'm like, this is not like me, but I had just enough time to rush home. So the week just absolutely flew by. But that day with Joanna looking back on those photos and thinking back on how much we laughed and how fun it was to just have to wear a new pair of shoes for the rest of our day because we just bought them. Friends make the world just so much better. And your time with people in person and not having to be on your phone, it's just, it's a great reminder of how truly important it is to just be present in the moment. I mentioned Jason Shatsky in Ticket Rev, but you could be present in the moment with a friend at a live event, whether it's a concert, a sporting event, go to TicketRev.com and learn all about the app. Jason has a meeting with MLB today. Uh, Jason is making moves with this app and it's so impressive and incredible. He's such a low key, cool kid. I can call him a kid because he is young, but he's smart. He's motivated. He's driven. And he is just killing it in the game. And that's why Ticket Rev is opening up to more and more cities where you can go in if you know a venue, give you an example. I know exactly where the Shake Shack is at City Field. So if I wanted to be by that Shake Shack, I would make sure that I went to that section on the Ticket Rev app. I would put in that section. I would put in my sweet spot of what I wanted to spend. And they're going to look around for tickets for me. The great thing is, as a buyer, you don't pay fees. So when you go to check out, it's the actual price that you did in your head when you did the math. 200 a ticket, it's 400. It's not 200 a ticket, it's 400. I go to the next page, it's 735 because there's all these fees put on. None of that at Ticket Rev. So download the app and 
Forget about getting a gift. Give the gift of being present in the moment with your person. I am so excited for this conversation. Decoding success is what we all want to be doing. Every day we're trying to come up with a life hack that is going to make us more successful, is going to help us get more sleep, is going to help us make more money. And today's guest, Matt Labrie, has a podcast that just covers that. Decoding Success is the name of the podcast. It's one of the top 1% globally ranked business podcasts, and he is brilliant. I've been a guest on his show, and now you get to enjoy me having Matt Labrie as a guest on my show. As we're closing out 2023 and preparing ourselves for an even better 2024, why wouldn't we want to speak with somebody that has the number one top 1% globally ranked podcast? Podcast is Decoding Success. And the host is Matt Labrie. Matt, thanks so much for making the time for me here today. I am so grateful for that introduction. Like if I could have that every day, I would feel so good about myself. That was incredible. Thank you, Lisa. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Well, I mean, it's so real. You get to have some incredible conversations. And the fact that your podcast has got recognized is awesome because I know you really aren't looking for the accolades. You actually love having these conversations. Yeah. I mean, it's a cheat code to life, right? It's like, for me personally... I am in a development stage or still developing my brand and I'm able to have conversations with people like yourself that I wouldn't necessarily be able to have without a podcast. So like for me, it's a cheat code to be able to just chop it up with you very casually and like learn more about the ins and out of your life, whether it be personal development wise or business wise, like that is an absolute pleasure. And it's such a cheat code where it's like, Hey, you know, it's, it's direct advice. It's so awesome. It's a great way to look at it and something I would have never seen kind of mind blown right here. But on this side that you've learned so much through so many people in the fact of decoding success, is there one thing that stands out to you've worked with Draymond Green from uh, Shark Tank, you've been in, around incredibly successful people. Is there one or maybe two or three things that you see that is a common thread in all of these success stories? Absolutely. Uh, the number one thing, now I just released our 300th episode yesterday. So the number one thing was actually said by every single person, including yourself who was on the show. Everyone said the same thing and they spoke their perspective. Like I think being successful, one of the absolute keys to being successful is respecting the perspective of the beholder. So it's not about being able to resonate with everyone's message. It's not about anything of that sort, but you have to respect it because Lisa, you and I could be walking down the street in Manhattan right now. We could both see a dog, a pit bull. You run to that pit bull and I run the opposite way. That is because you have an experience with a dog or a pit bull, which is positive. I, on the other hand, have a negative one. And, which is not true, by the way. I love dogs. And that just alone, an <laughs> exactly, just an example, like that alone is the absolute key. And I think that's what the world needs more of. Like if you're able to tap into that, you're able to tap into success because you're on another level of empathy. You're on another level of respect. You're on a, another level of being able to connect with humans. And I think a lot of us stray away from the fact that we are human. We chase the dollar or we chase the follower or whatever. It's like, just connect. Like connection is key. And all 300 people that have been on the show have said the exact same thing because they've spoke from their perspective. 
you used a word there that really hits home with me and it's empathy. Mm. And empathy is incredible. It's valuable and it's powerful. And people can easily, we can easily fall into forgetting empathy. Maybe you struggled when you were younger or you saw family members go through something with their health. You saw these things, but you forgot about them. The key Mm. is to not forget about them. And I'll give an example for myself. You know, I was fortunate to be in an Eminem video and (laughs) I fit it in, in between two gigs. And after the video was, was done and released, they were having a rap party and they had reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, we all want you to come back to this rap party. And I said, you know what? I'm going to Huntsville, uh, Alabama to feature dance at a club that only has four feature dancers a year. My event is the most important thing to their quarter earnings to their quarter of that fact that they, it means the most to them. It's not just that it's another booking for me. But I had that empathy and perspective. It's why I never canceled a show. I never canceled a gig. And so I said to them, I'm going to kindfully decline. I thank you for inviting me. But I was invited here first. And this is as important to them as anything fun could be to me. And so empathy is something that I think people can lose as they become more successful because you forget what it felt like to struggle. Yeah, 100%. I think what I've noticed over podcasting or just doing life is that people try to empathize based on experience. So for example, you can come to me and be like, hey, Matt, like I went through this breakup. And sure, I've been through breakups too. So it's a very common example. But instead of trying to compare the experience, I think one way to build empathy is actually understanding the feeling that is attached to that experience. So for example, if you're going through a breakup Of course, there's pain involved. There's heartbreak. That hurts. So like, instead of trying to be like, oh, you know what? Mine was worse or mine is like, forget about all of that. Just know that Lisa's experiencing pain. Like that's how you build empathy or at least recognize empathy. And I think we have it backwards sometimes. And I'm just, I literally just thought of this last week. So I'm glad that I'm able to share it somewhere. Like that is one of the biggest ways, in my opinion, to start shifting our way of building empathy or at least showing it is just, Hey, you know what pain feels like. I know what pain feels like. We don't want it. Let me empathize with you. I love that. It's simple, but it's real. And it's about being a good listener because it's easy Mm. to say my breakup was worse, but at that moment for that person that came to you with their thoughts and their feelings, their emotion, nothing is worse. Nothing that you already experienced. You don't even have to bring yourself into it. Just being a good listener, which is something you become better at as you're hosting a podcast. How much of success do you think comes from what we witnessed or watched as we were growing up as young people? whether it be our parents or for me, I was lucky to have my grandparents with their own business after the war. They they delivered greeting cards that my grandfather designed and I watched them run a business. I do think that as a young person sitting in the office when my grandmother would have the map out and would be drawing where we were going to take the motorhome and be gone for two, three Mm. months and watching her do the books and watching my grandfather be creative. I do think that that filtered in and was dynamic in every aspect of my life. And how much of that do you think is common that we see things when we're younger that we either like or don't like that we carry into our future selves? Yeah. I remember you sharing that story, by the way, on the podcast. That was so awesome. And I loved it. I think success is 100% conditioned until we break that. Meaning what we see growing up, parentally, our guardians, family, friends, culture, society will shape us because that's just what happens in life. Like 
when we're not autonomous when we're born, you know, like we, we need other people. And I remember so many times how I was shaped growing up. And for the longest time, I viewed success a certain way until I realized like, hey, this isn't what I think success is. It's an ever-changing thing in our life. We're developing constantly. We are evolving constantly. So I personally think it's important to check in with yourself at a certain point and like ask yourself, what is success? Otherwise, we're on autopilot for life. So to get back to your question, like 100% of how we define success is from our past, our conditioning, all of that until we say, hey, like, wait, this isn't the life that I want to live. This is the life that my parents wanted me to live. This is how society wanted me to define success. And that was like the whole purpose of me starting the show was to like show the importance of breaking that mold, reconnecting with your true core self, which we stray away from, which isn't our fault. It's not to point the finger at someone and blame someone. It's just like, hey, like, this is your this is your cue right now to stop that and turn inward and start doing the work to realize like, hey, this is how I am going to define success moving forward. It doesn't happen in the snap of a finger or the blink of an eye, but I think it's so important to find fulfillment. And that's a pursuit. It's a, it's an, a nonstop pursuit. And what you said about checking in with yourself. So I'm a believer in quiet time with yourself and actually hearing your thoughts. I think we change every five, 10 years over and over again. Like it doesn't stop. And I love that about life because I don't want to, I don't want to be in that same thought, but I can remember a time where being busy and having a ton of gigs was like the most important thing to me. And then I shifted to this, like, okay, being busy is great, but I want to make sure that I've factored in my time with my friends and myself Mm. as much as I factor in work. So putting it on my schedule where it's like, this is me time. I'm coming back from a gig. I get five hours. I'm going to recover. I'm going to do all the things. I got to get a massage, what have you. How often do you sit with yourself and think about, is what I'm doing now aligning with what I want in my future? And how much have you seen yourself change each time you sit down with yourself? Yeah. I mean, Going back to the previous question and this question in conjunction here, I could tell you that for, I want to say 23 years of my life, maybe even more than that, I was so hyper-focused on making money because I believed that would have solved my pain, right? I heard my parents complain about money growing up and I'm like, you know what? I'm watching my mother battle cancer. I'm failing out of college, like all of these things. I'm like, I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can, which I did a damn good job at in my early 20s and late teens, but that didn't work. So I did have to sit with myself at that point. It was more of a smack in the face, like, hey, life two by four in the face type of moment where I got knocked down and I was forced to do that up until this point where I'm now 30 years old. And I could say to myself, you know what, Matt, let's deliberately, intentionally choose to sit down at certain junctures. I would love to say I do it every day, but I'm going to be honest. I'm a human being and sometimes I don't want to know what I'm thinking, right? Sometimes I'm in those dark (laughs) seasons of life. Like, let's just keep it real. I mean, I could sit here and preach all this stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm a human too. Like, I don't want to know the shit that's in my mind sometimes, you know? But at the end of it, it's just like, it is important, you know? And I think people... Again, society paints this picture where, you know, you need to like sit on a meditation pad and like float. I don't do that. Meditation comes in so many different forms. I just had this conversation the other day, a buddy of mine, he he was like, listen, my dad's form of meditation was smoking a cigarette. Like meditation for you could be in the sauna. It could be sitting on the meditation mat. It could be driving 
right? People love long drives on the highway. People find that super relaxing. There's so many ways to tap into that, but ultimately it is important without a doubt to check in with yourself, whether it's every quarter, whether it's every day. I mean, I do it every Monday with my therapist, right? Just to check in, see where I'm at, see what's in alignment with my life. Like it is important to do that. But at the same time, I like to paint the picture. I'm human. Sometimes I don't like to do it because there's, you know, shit that goes on in the head and it's just like, Hey, straying away from that. I find I do my best connecting with myself after a vacation with friends. Mm. So I usually pad my vacation by coming home and knowing that I don't have to like jump right back to work and I give myself a day. And so I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm away from things that might've been stressing me the week before. You know, I'm feeling happy. I've got that endorphin yeah. release from being around people I love and I only see the good. And I find that that's a really solid time to get out my journal and really write down like what is really resonating me with right now? What could I let go of that wouldn't matter? And is there something new that I want to bring in? Because success is also a matter of continually trying new things and being mm. so willing to fail. Because the only way you know if you're going to fail is if you take that leap and try something. Yeah, yeah. Failure is your friend, right? And I think we are programmed to believe that it's not. I can't tell you how many times, oh, I, I get called a sore loser by my girlfriend all the time. She's like, you do not like, and I don't, I don't like to lose. I mean, I've been programmed to win. I played sports my whole life. Like the purpose of like pursuing things is is to win, at least in sports. But like we have to befriend failure. You know, I, I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times I, so I, I just transitioned out of a business that I've owned for the last five years. And wow. That was one of the hardest things for me to do because ego was so attached to that, mm. so damn attached. And I'm like, I can't let people see me look like a failure. And at the same time, you don't want to be seen looking like a beginner at times, right? Like there, there's just so much involved there. But failure really is our friend. And without failing, we really don't hit success like you mentioned. Yeah. And if you're not willing to fail, then you're also not willing to try new things and establish yeah. new roles in your life. But what made you come to this decision to step away from something that was in your life for five years? That is such a good question. I think it is a commitment, a commitment to who I want to become. Meaning, I think a lot of growth, a lot of becoming is is being who that person is. So for example, let's just use, I mean, I'm not in the best shape of my life right now. Like, you know, dating and weddings and this, that, the other, you're drinking, you're eating holidays, whatever. holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't help. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, no, let you, no. I'll, I'll poke fun at my belly right now. And what I've been doing this week specifically, and I, I should be a lot better at this is before every decision I make dietary and nutrition wise, I ask myself, Matt, is this the choice that the person, the Matt you want to become would make? Like, Every single time I do that. So getting back to your question, I had to ask myself, Matt, is this future opportunity in alignment with the Matt that you are becoming, the Matt you want to be, or is staying in your business, maybe not feeling so fulfilled, or maybe not making as much money as you could, or, you know, dealing with clients that you don't want to deal with. Like, that has been the absolute key. It's not easy to do that, right? You're acting as if, acting as if you are someone that you're currently not to become that person. It is so damn uncomfortable. I can't tell you how many times I want to opt for pizza. This week, I'm like, you know what? I'm super busy. Let me run around the corner, grab a slice. But no, like that is not who I want to be. Sometimes I do, 
but I need to act as if, and that is exactly why I parted ways was just knowing like, Hey, act as if you're the, you know, the person of the future, whether that be five years, 10 years from now, 10 years might be a little bit of a stretch, but maybe one year from now act as if. It's like you have that destination in mind and what you're doing by these small actions is looking at that destination and going, okay, I see where I'm going, but if I don't do these things, I'm going to have to go off road. It's going to be a much longer road. I don't know if I'm going to get there, whether it comes to a business or whether it comes to your diet, but that is a tough question. You know, when I was adapting minimalism into my life, Mm. I went through this with shopping. So I would have to like ask myself and I remember just like, getting flyers and things in the mail and then making sure that I unsigned up for everything and then taking myself off of these lists where I'm getting these emails. And I would, I would see something and I'd be like, is this a need or is this a want? And I had Mm -hmm. to ask myself, is this like you just said, going to, is this for the person you want to be? No, it's not. I'm not going to get that, but it's challenging. And it's really important to push ourselves because as independent thinkers, workers, hosts of your podcast, decoding success, we don't have anyone above us telling us we're doing wrong or right. We Mm. might get some feedback from our listeners, which is lovely and kind. And I don't know how you feel, but just the fact that somebody listens to our podcast, whatever the comment may be, we're complimented that they listened, right? If they read my book, even if they write, write a bad review, I'm like, well, they read my book. Like there's that. We don't have anyone telling us, so we have to self-regulate. Sometimes self-regulating can make you procrastinate. I love that you're only just turned 30 and you're already thinking like somebody who had to train themselves by 40, 45 years old to have this kind of dedication. A hundred percent. I need to ask you a question. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah. Why'd you get into minimalism? What was that about? So I went through a really crazy time in my life after I'm going to send you a copy of my book. I know I don't think I sent it to you when I interviewed with you. So I was going through this time in my life and I was really forced to be still. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I didn't drink any alcohol. I was like, I don't want to, I, I was kind of a bit of a shut in. I was a total shut in for a year. I mean, I, but what I was dealing with was horrific and you'll read about it. It's how I opened the book. And so I decided, okay, well, you're going to just watch TV and, and wait till this passes. Right. Mm -hmm. But I decided I was going to watch all documentaries and educational TV during the day. And then at night I could watch my trash TV. (laughs) So I started watching all these documentaries and and, and I, and I watched the minimalists and it rocked my core because the closing statement in their first doc says, love people use things. The Mm -hmm. opposite never works. And it made me sit and think about how many times we use people to get more money, to get more things. That's really about what money, money, money is about, right? And from there, I ordered their books, read both of their books. I reached out to them. I got to be a guest of their podcast. Like, I, I, it, it, it impacted me. And so from there, I got off the couch. And I spent the next three months going through my 4,000 square foot house, closet by closet, and deciding what I was selling, giving away, donating. I just went room to room and simplified my life. And as I touched each item that I had accumulated, I asked myself, did you buy this to satisfy you? Or did you buy this because your ego, you wanted to satisfy others? I never wore the same things to events. I always had to have new, new, new everything. 
And it, and it really had an impact on me. And that challenged me. And it became such a funny thing driving in LA. It was one of the easiest things to move to New York, have no car, and live in a small apartment. Because by the time I went through my place, I was like, you know what? I could live in a thousand square foot space. I do not yeah. need all of this space. But I was doing that again, because that's what everybody did in LA that made money. They just bought a huge house and then they filled it with stuff. And it made me connect with all of my faults mm. and be very mindful. And so I'd be driving in LA and there was this mall off the freeway. And over the last two years I lived there and drove by and I thought, man, I remember when going to the mall and walking around was like something to do. I was just going to aimlessly buy stuff. And I wouldn't even consider that now. If I buy something, I have to get rid of something. If I'm buying something, it's because I put a little list together. Okay, I need to replace these jeans. And I mindfully buy one thing. And I value that one thing so much more. And not having a car, you only can buy what you can carry, right? Because I'm not going to get a cab sure. from a store. I'm going to walk. And I love that whole aspect. It's very European. You go to the market. You fill the bags that you can carry. You have fresh food, but you just go more often. You buy less. You spend less. You waste less. Mm. And you use less. So it made me less of a consumer. And it changed my life. And I'm still an active minimalist today. When you found yourself in the mall, this is what I'm so curious about because I know I'm guilty of this. When you found yourself in the mall buying, like, do you feel like you were doing that? I know that you mentioned part of it was because you didn't want to rewear outfits. And trust me, I get that. But I'm curious. But that's if you silly. Were... My fans aren't going to like me less if I wear a dress twice. Right. I get that. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Do you feel like you were doing that for the dopamine hit of the purchase? Or whatever chemical 100%. hit we get. Yeah. Yes. It was yeah. the dopamine uh, hit of the purpose that purchased and the dopamine hit of wearing something nobody's ever seen me wear before. All of it yeah. was addictive dopamine. And I'll tell you what felt great was you save so much money that you don't even realize you're going to save when you stop doing this because your money's coming in. It's just not going out as fast yeah. because you're not out there just recklessly buying things. It's an addictive way to pass time. And obviously I looked at some things that I was doing. I was like, okay, when you're not happy with the money that you're making, or maybe you don't like the people you're working with, or something about how you're earning your money has a negative impact on your spirit. You end up wasting more money as a way to pacify yourself for accepting that money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I, I, I literally still get caught up in that. I still get caught. You know, it's, it's the silliest stuff. Every single day I go out and I buy two Howl's Black Cherry Seltzers. That's, okay. my, that's my chemical hit. That is what I buy. Granted, don't get me wrong. I buy other stuff too. But every single day, it's like, Matt, just go buy a case. Like you're, yeah, you're I was going to ask you, is there a reason why you don't buy a case? No, because it's my, it's my chemical hit every day. After I work, after I get everything done, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go take my little stroll, decompress, and I go get my house black cherry seltzers. Weird thing. But see, I don't you know added that. something there. You take a stroll and you decompress. Necessary. That's a form of your yeah. meditation. And so if you had a case, you'd lose out on that. So it's the it's the whole act of what you're doing. You're only buying two. You're only drinking two. It's not really hurting you, you know? But those are the little big steps that make a huge difference. And as you, you know, seeing this now, I didn't really realize this till my mid-40s. We can get so wrapped up in money is going to change everything, which is something you mm. met earlier. You mentioned earlier, then you realize it doesn't. So now you're trying to fill the void with something else. Well, maybe if I buy myself a bunch of stuff and I live in a place that's way, it, when I had the aha moment, 
after watching that documentary, I was sitting on my couch looking around like, you are a alone person in this big house with no pets. Mm -hmm. Why did you do this to yourself? Like it was so clear. And I took two years before I sold that home to mindfully give away, donate or sell some item and just get rid of everything slowly. So it wasn't stressful. So that when I packed to move, the goal was I am not renting a storage unit in New York City. Yeah. No, I do have a small one in my building for winter clothes, summer clothes. You switch them sure. in and out, my books, but not a huge unit like most people do. So back yeah. to you. When you do your podcast, I know I was really excited to be a guest. How many times do you, you leave, you know, and you're, you're going back through, you're going to start to edit it. You're actually so shocked over something that you learned that maybe flew over you until you were editing it or you rewatched it and you said, wow, this is something that I'm going to add in my arsenal of weapons to mm. build my level of success. Yeah. I think that happens all the time. I think it's every episode. It's, it's a real skill to do what you're doing right now. Like being such an attentive listener, picking up on everything. I'm going to be honest. I definitely don't pick on, pick up on everything in the moment. It is not easy. And I don't know if that's like a self-imposed pressure that a podcaster puts on him or herself. But if we were just having a conversation like out to dinner without the mics or the cameras, I feel like I would be more attentive or feel like there's less pressure. And I miss things all the time. And then I'll go back through and just do like a little rewatch. And I'm like, damn, like I should have asked this question after that. Or like, that was really good. You know, when you're like looking for clips or whatever, you'll always find something, yeah. or at least in my opinion, you know, and I'm like, how did I not ask more about this? But, um, it always leaves room for a part two, you know? So I, I try to look on the bright side of things, but definitely all the time, all the time I find myself you know, missing something, but it's all good. It's like I said, part two. And do you find yourself as your worst critic? Cause I think when we do this, we have to look at ourselves. We have to listen to our voice. You hear a word that you didn't pronounce clearly. Like I can do, I like at the end of the day, I will have s scolded myself a hundred times a day. Mm, do you yeah. do the same? On our 300th episode that we just put out, we uh, we recorded it in our studio in Park Slope, and I called myself out because when I get really excited, I say like, but I don't say like once. I say like, 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 it is right there. I just caught myself. I said it again right after I went through <laughs> that tangent because when I get excited, that's like my default. So there are so many little things where I critique myself that other people just don't pick up on, but we just have our eyes focused on ourselves at times. And it's not to say that in an egotistic way, it's just, Hey, like we're, you know, we're reviewing a piece of content in the moment. I don't realize what I'm doing. And if it was like, I was to never edit or never rewatch an episode, I really wouldn't care. But the fact that I'm going through or looking for clips or working with my team to edit the episode, I definitely pick up on it. And of course, there's other things that I could critique myself on, but it is, I think it's pretty natural. Um, I remember when I was more so in the beginning stages of podcasting, I've been doing it for five years now. So the first year I was just so embarrassed to like be a beginner. I didn't want anyone yeah. to see me leaving my yeah. job with Damon John, where I had no plan to transition into podcasting and have like a clean slate, which is such a beautiful thing when you do have a clean slate, but I didn't want anyone to see me as like a beginner. So there were so many things that I critiqued myself for, and I think I'm going to, but at the end of the day, we want to put out the best product possible. We want to put out the best interviews, put out the best content, give the most value. So I think there's a, a good side if you flip it. I mean, good and bad, right? Like we could sit here and 
cry about it or we could say, hey, like we just want to be the best version of ourselves. I, when I took my first couple of classes at Sirius XM, one of the first things they say is, please be sure that you're re-listening to all of your shows. And everybody in the room was like, man, I can't listen to my voice. There's no way I'm going back. <laughs> and, and I started listening to my shows immediately after taking that class. And I think that's something a podcaster does mm. that a live broadcaster doesn't. And that's why you're starting to see a lot of podcasters get these massive, massive deals. I mean, I look at Alexandra Cooper, you know, yeah. uh, call her daddy, like, you know, uh, Rogan, like these are people that have been can, their own biggest critics. But when I went back and listened, I used to say awesome and 100% all the time. So I would mark down as I was listening. Oh my gosh. I said, awesome. 35 times in this two hour <laughs> show. Like this is heinous, but it's a good thing because also you want to draw in more high level, excellent, successful guests. Mm -hmm. And so for you, you want to put the best product out there to draw people to be like, yeah, I really want to be on Matt's podcast. Like that's another level of it. You're marketing your own business as you're critiquing yourself as a host. Absolutely. I'm curious, did you find yourself transitioning out of using those quote unquote filler words? Cause I, I very much so in the same boat, 100%, whatever. Like I use them to avoid the quote unquote awkward pause, which isn't awkward at the end of the day. Like it's just a part of conversation. I think it takes a real discipline to transition out of it. So I'm curious, do you still say that? No. Uh, what I did to train myself was I put all the keywords on post-its around my computer when I was doing mm. a live show. And once I said it, I took it off and threw it away. It would tell myself for the rest of the show, I could say it. And I also find that I listen to hosts. Yeah, I, I'm a spaz though. I listen <laughs> to hosts. Like I'll give you an example, Mike Greenberg, Greeny on ESPN. Yeah. He's so smooth and he's got such a great vocabulary and he uses, so I think it's made me really want to develop my vocabulary and, and use different words, but I will listen to one of his shows and think, I don't think that guy repeated the same word when it came to something, an adjective, mm. uh, twice the whole show. Like that blows my mind. That is someone that is really good at delivering live information. He's also really good at being empathetic and getting involved in like a story that's hard to cover. It's dark, a death or something awful happening, but then veer it back in in a very kind way to go back about doing his job, which I'm like, how does somebody do this? It's amazing. Yeah. I think one of the ways that I've been able to develop the vocabulary, I know that you're a big reader. What I started to do was reading out loud. And for some reason, I think that words register different in my mind when I say them out loud versus just keeping them in my head. It's weird to just like be laying on the couch and like read out loud to yourself when you're alone. But I do that and it makes me a more fluent speaker. That's number one, without a doubt. Like just being able to communicate in different tonalities or whatever the case may be. I feel like that's definitely enhanced my tone and the way that I deliver. But furthermore, it's also added words to my vocabulary or just things that I put more into the rotation. And on top of it, there's so many words that I don't know that I pick up in old books. So I'll write them down in the cover. And when I finish, I'll define them in that cover. And that alone, and when I'm talking old books, I'm referring to like Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends yeah, and Influence yeah. People, because I feel like yeah. no knock on any personal development book that's new. I just feel like the words used back then, not the remastered version, but like the original version, the words are way different, 
they're a little bit bigger. It's a little bit less dumbed down to an extent. I feel like in like the remastered ones, it's a little bit less strenuous, like some of the words, but um, that's definitely worked for me. I can see that because there was a layer of verbal complexity that was very honorable uh, 25 years ago for these books. Right. Now we're trying to streamline them down because nobody wants to buy a book that's more than 200 to 250 pages. And I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I got to sit in, Stephen Covey was doing a speaking engagement at like a hotel, you know, in the nineties when I was on the road and there was no internet, you had like eight TV channels in your hotel room. I would always look at the the board at the front of the hotels I would, where I was staying and see who's giving yeah. a speech, you know, and I'd go in, I'd grab the book. So I think probably them making me redoing these books and making them smaller, but those foundational business books that were from the nineties are still really to me, the concrete that holds the foundation sure. on the new lessons that we have. Like I love the power of habit. I loved mm. mindset. I love first things first. Then of course you're still going to go back and reread those very basic they look so dated if you get the original ones too, the paper, everything, but that's where it started. And I think all of these books we're getting now are really based on breaking down those scenarios, but making them more digestible for a newer reading audience. Yeah, a hundred percent. I try and start every year. See, by the way, I just did it. Did you catch me? I just caught myself because we were just talking about it. I said, yeah, 100%. See, <laughs> now you made me aware of it. <laughs> It's like if I would yawn, you would yawn. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's. I almost did it again, but now I'm aware of it. So uh, I was saying I start every year or at least try to with one of like the classics. I feel like this particular year I read Thinking Grow Rich for I think like the second or third time. And I just try and start the year with one of them because who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year. But I, did, I think it really sets the tone. Like you said, those are the foundational books. I personally loved... Um, how to win friends and influence people because there were hints of history and I didn't know that I liked American history or history in general, not even just American history. And I was going to ask you earlier, you talked about the documentaries that you were watching. Did you watch The Men Who Built America or something of that sort? No. It is Should really I look it up? good. Yes. Okay. Putting it in for my holiday watching. Yes. Okay. It was so good. That good. Okay. Yeah. I just think it was, first of all, it was very motivating, right? To see how modern day was built because that was also the foundation we're talking about Vanderbilt and JP Morgan and and that crew of people and how they would like go at each other but they they wouldn't go at each other like people do today people go at each other on Twitter today or social media in general like they would go at each other hard like in with person big dollars like I'm gonna take you down like it was it's wild I think four episodes give or take it was fantastic. Like I was hooked. I think it. I watched all four like in one night. I was like, this is way too good for me to stop. I'll check that out. And you know, reading the beginning of the year, starting your year with that tone, you can read mm. the same book five times. And depending on where you are at that moment in your life, do you notice that something else that you may have read over before that had no impact on you that you just read 
now all of a sudden hits you. Like I just finished, uh, I, I love Malcolm Gladwell's books and the outliers yeah. was so good. And there's so many books right now talking about the fact that Bill Gates, you know, was in one of the first high schools that ever had a computer and what mm -hmm. a difference this, this made, right? That the timing of that, how much timing plays a role. That's all of everything outliers was about, but timing plays a role in reading. And if you loved a book once, it's great to give books away, but there's some books I'd rather buy you a new one. Cause I know I'm going to go back and reread it. And that's one of them. A hundred percent. See, by the way, there we go again, but <laughs> so it happens, you just, man. You just hit the nail on the head. This is one of my favorite things. It's like, this is, in my opinion, if you're struggling to find where you've grown in life, doing what you just mentioned is huge. Picking up a book that you read maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, and going through it and seeing what you highlighted then versus what you would highlight now. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And I'm like, how did you miss this? It goes back to what you asked about, like the podcast. Like, how did you miss that? And that happens to me time and time again. I remember vividly, I would take the express bus into Manhattan when I was working with the guy from Shark Tank. And I was trying to read The Power of Now. At the time, the book had no meaning to me. I think I was 25 years old. I'm trying to too be young. like spiritual and yes, way too young. I wasn't mature <laughs> enough. Yep. I wasn't yep. mature enough. And I think I got to the second chapter and I'm like, none of this makes sense. I threw it to the side. And then I did this program or this challenge called 75 Hard by this guy, Andy Frisella. And I'm like, you know what? That'll be one of the books I read during the challenge. I'm like, how did I not like this? That was, you know, I don't know, three or four years after that. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. And I think that is one of the best ways to show you your growth, like tangibly right in front of your face without someone telling you like, oh, grown so much since then no like hey you read this book in the past look what you highlighted look at the notes and see what you would do now such a difference and you were receptive to it just because you didn't get it then doesn't mean you can't get it later yeah. and being receptive is so important and and also it was important that you closed it and put it aside but still went back to it right? It was important that you said, this doesn't fit me right now. This doesn't suit me right now. But then going back to it, you're like, now's the time, which is incredibly valuable. I know this is a tough question for somebody that has such an amazing podcast, three years, just dropped your 300 episode. Everybody can follow Decoding Success and also follow Matt Labrie at Matt underscore Labrie. You can't use me, of course. Top three listens if somebody was going to go back right now and say, hey, I'm going to subscribe to this podcast and listen moving forward, but I want to get a couple episodes in from the past. Who are the top three yeah. that you would say would be really great for people to go back and listen to? That is such a good question. The first one. All right. So I'm going to give you four because one is bias. Yep. Um, okay. Okay. I hosted my, and I, I'm going to get emotional. I'm a very emotional guy, but I hosted my 89 year old grandfather. Uh, he's now <sighs> 92. I had an idea that stemmed from a buddy of mine. He was like, Hey, I just want to like, you know, when someone gets to that age, let's be realistic. Yeah. Life happens. Right. Yeah. So I didn't know how much life I had left with my grandfather. And a buddy of mine was like, Hey, like, you know, one thing that I did was save all the voicemails that I had for my grandfather. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, I only have one. So I was like, I'm going to just record a podcast. That to me was like, 
one mm. of the best episodes I will ever do. But that's bias because, to be honest, I don't know if anyone wants to listen to my grandfather's stories, which were about like being in war, the Korean War, and you know whatever. Um, top three. I would. I do- I, people would love to hear them because they're they're not fabricated as if they're in a movie or in a storytelling mode. They're really yeah. coming from someone who lived this experience, and he's your grandfather. I mean, that's, yeah. I'll listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he cried, by the way. So it, th- things oh. got deep. Things got deep. I got in trouble for making him cry by my family, but oh. it wasn't my oh. intention. Um, no. I do want to say your episode. I know you said that I can't, but for numerous reasons. Like at one point in the episode, you 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 thanked me because we just had conversation and it wasn't fabricated with talking about the industry heavily or anything of that sort. And I just really appreciate when someone can show up without a mask. And you did that. And I want to say thank you on your show right now for the fact that you are able to do that in numerous different capacities. And the fact that it was our first time meeting, you know, we didn't really have conversation be, uh, you know, before that, like to me, when you can meet someone face to face without the mask, like that's a really beautiful thing. Um, I will say secondly, I think the conversation I did and you know, maybe it's just because it's top of mind. The conversation I just did for the 300th episode, which are which was with three of my best friends, all of us men, we get very vulnerable. Like some of them are fathers, some of them are becoming fathers. You know, we we talk about things that men don't often talk about, and maybe it's becoming more normalized where we do talk about the pain. We do talk about the fact that you know maybe we brushed it under the rug for years upon years. We talk about therapy. We talk about turning inward. Like I think that's really important for society as a whole moving forward. Even for women to start to accept men that are doing that because it is a turnoff for some women still because we're just taught differently. And then thirdly, hmm. You made this so hard for me picking 3. Uh <laughs> Thirdly, I would say shit. Well, you had three. Okay, can I go with those three? Me, yeah, let, let me go and with your those friends. three. Let me go with those you three. You can go with those three, and I and I love that expression that you said when someone can show up without the mask. Mm, that's that's so powerful. And for me, it's the fact that anyone is willing to have a thoughtful conversation with me that doesn't just stay on that one sphere of my life. Of course, you can imagine that's difficult. And I got an email the other day from someone and it showed me how he sees me. And he said, you're no, not, he started going back to cryo, eliminated his time on social media because I'm really trying to ask everyone, like, touch the grass. Like, it's the weekend. Get out. Do something. Put your phone down. It's going to be there when you get back. We're too consumed with this fodder and not really just getting out. And so he wrote, your badass approach to your no-nonsense badass approach to life has really inspired me. And I right away wrote back, like, to know how others see us is the greatest thing. And you showed me how you see me. And that is, you gave me so much power that day because I'm just being me. And all you want to do as a podcast host, Matt, I know you're this, you want to inspire people. And if you inspire one person, your whole situation, you're thrilled because you're also, like you mentioned earlier, it's a little hack that you get to have all of these conversations by hosting a podcast. But really we want to make people have better experiences and, and and share more love and feel better about themselves and take chances and not just think about money. That's what yeah. we're really here for. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I think that conversation alone it just goes to show you when 
you don't cast any judgment or judgment. Yeah, any anything like yep. It's almost as if two strangers meet. Like that's the way I tried. I, I try to approach everything. It's just like, hey, this is this person's life. This is my my life. Like, sure, we're gonna have conflicting experiences. We're gonna have shared experiences. We're gonna have whatever. But you know, I think that's so important is just to see beyond the masks that we could wear. It, it's so important to allow people to feel comfortable to take off the mask with you. It's it's a challenge at times, but it's like, hey, we're all human, right? We're all just trying to do the best that we can do with what we have, with what we know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, why do anything other than show love? Like, I think that's what we all stray away from. That's what we come into this world with and we all stray away from it. And then when we're, you know, knock on wood, it's many years from now, we're all on our deathbed. We're, we're getting back to love. And it's like, wait, we did all of life without it. You know, like, I just want to show you love. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's that empathy. It's all of the incredible things that you've gathered and learned at such a young age. Like, you are really young to be at this mental level. It's so impressive. I'm excited for you that you decided to make this change with this five-year business. I know that was months in the making of thinking and distractions and what if and should I. And ego plays a huge role in all of these decisions that we make. But what you're doing is incredible. 300 episodes. Everybody subscribe, rate, and review to Decoding Success. Follow at Matt underscore Labrie. And Matt, 300 episodes, quite a huge feat. Thanks for making an episode happen with me right here. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I mean, I could talk to you for days. So this was We're going to get together in person. We're going to, all you and me and the girlfriend, go for a walk in the park one day. We're going to make this happen. Thank you for joining. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much, Lisa. Such a great conversation. You can give Matt a follow at Matt underscore Labrie. Check out Decoding Success. You are going to love the conversations. When you follow on Instagram, Matt really gives you some nice little clips to kind of lean in. And every time I see one, I'm like, oh, save that post. And remember, go and listen to that podcast. So check out his podcast. It was a great conversation. I thank him for his time. It is the moment, though, that you've all been waiting for. The thing you all want to do is ask me a question. You can do that at asklisaann at gmail.com. And then I read them right here. If you're a new listener, this can be a wild ride, but I do my best to find questions that may mean one thing, but I could answer another way. Again, if you want to be part of the mailbag, just send your question to asklisaann at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. We got one in the subject matter says, retired firefighter is a huge fan. Dear Miss Lisa, I'm 43 and just retired as an engineer slash firefighter. Congratulations on retiring so young. And thank you for your work as a firefighter. I'm a huge fan and I totally love you. My dream has always been to meet you, but I know that will most likely never happen. Is there a way that I could get an autographed picture of you? I know you're very busy, but thank you for your time. Sincerely, retired fire department deputy, Marty Mark. So, This is a great question. I get a lot and it's pretty easy. There are two places where you can buy autograph photos. You can go to fansutopia.com and look at the photo variety there. And then you can go to americaniconautographs.com. Those are the two spots, americaniconautographs.com and fansutopia.com. 
I stopped selling eight by tens as a business decision probably about maybe five to seven years ago. And I always had them when I would be on the road feature dancing and I still have them now that I do events. So if you want to get one in person, your best bet is to go and find me at an Exotica because I carry unique eight by tens with me there. And then it's personalized as opposed to at fansutopia.com or AmericanIconAutographs.com. But every year at the end of the year, we know what month this is. If you are a new listener, you're going to learn something about me right near every December. I spend every day writing a specific notebook of what I do, what time I start it, what time I end it. So if I'm going to go and answer a couple emails, 11.03, I went in, I got out, 11.27. If I'm going to go and scour the internet, maybe some social media, all of it. And I put this into a pie chart and I take what I'm doing and think about what things I could potentially be delegating, what things are not worth me doing financially. This is a business. Everything about TRLA Inc., the real Lisa Ann is a business. And I make decisions as any business owner would do. So when I was selling a lot of eight by tens through the mail and I was writing down the time that this took, I realized this is a net loss for me. And I can sell my autograph to different people and then they can just sell it and make the additional profit. And the autograph is the same profit margin as selling an eight by 10. So at the Jersey show, I signed for a friend who brings about 500 eight by tens for me to to sign, I'll find out where he sells as well. And I just take him back to the hotel room at night. I just autograph them all, autograph them all. And it's just one of those things where you have to say, where could I be better using my time? What could I be doing? Because if I'm getting a hundred requests a day and this takes me a week to fulfill them. And at the end of the day, my profit is like a hundred dollars. Then I'm like, this is crazy. You should not be doing this. So with Fans Utopia, I do send them directly autographed and they're already autographed as well with AmericanIcons.com. AmericanIconAutographs.com. I'm sorry. But if you want one personally autographed, check out an Exotica. There's four more next year and I think I'll be doing them all. All right. Next question is bucket list question. Dear Miss Lisa, how many things do you have left on your bucket list? And is that list evolving, changing as time goes on? What are a few things that are on your bucket list that you have yet to complete? Thank you so much for this message because, you know, it is ever evolving, but there's some things that have been on it like forever. When Kay and I were in Alaska, uh, I was like, I want to hella jump. Like I want to ski out of a helicopter. Like that was one of the things. And then it was an accident. So then I decided maybe I would do that. Hot air balloon. I want to go up in a hot air balloon. There's a beautiful hot air balloon festival in St. Louis. I'm going to mark it on the calendar this year. Potentially Kay and I can go. I think it'd be fun content. I think we'd both like to go up in a hot air balloon. I'd love to ski in Switzerland. The best ski photos are from Switzerland. Kay and I were not in a, in a uh, heavily winter time when we were there. I'd like to see what it's like on the Alps in Switzerland. Uh, there's a lot of travel destinations still on my bucket list. One of them is Portugal. Uh, and I think we've added the new one for this year, which will be a 2024 trip to Japan. Kay's inspired me. I've started to look around, starting that I realized Greeny and his wife went to Japan over the summer. I went through their Instagram photos. They were beautiful. Uh, there's a lot to see. There's a lot to learn. So adding that on. Another thing on my bucket list is to speak multiple languages. This is a real problem. This is something I really need to accomplish. And uh, it's a real problem. So it's now a bucket list item instead of a goal because it's so lofty, right? But I'm working on it. I've been listening to an audiobook. Justin gave me kind of the way through. He went, he listened to some things. He did babble for a while. And now he hires a tutor on YouTube, on, um, on uh, Zoom. So like, that's an interesting way to do it. It's not that expensive. So once you start wanting to have conversation, then you take it to Zoom. So 
working on that one. And then the last thing on my bucket list, which I hope comes to fruition in the very near future is to buy a home in Italy, somewhere to go back and forth to, somewhere to vacation with my friends and somewhere to eventually retire to. So thank you for the bucket list question. We've got one right, right here. Daniel says, power rank your top five Italian Christmas cookies. Hi, Lisa. Hope all is well with you. I just finished watching your latest podcast with Suze Randall. Great interview. And she is exactly as you described in your monologue. A no-nonsense personality, funny as heck, and I totally get why you liked working with her. I would leave Suze's sets and just say to myself, did I really just get paid to be on set with that woman all day? She is so fun. And we created such beautiful photos. And when, and she just made me a better model. Uh, she was as tough as she was to work for. She was only doing it because she wanted me to be my best. And I give her a lot of the credit of my success because she taught me there's no excuse to be late. There's no excuse to be unprepared. I could never let my nails be chipped. You never showed up frazzled. You never bruised. You know, all these things. But I'm glad you enjoyed that. You look great. Your week of downtime seems to really recharge your batteries. It sure did. My curiosity stems from one of your previous podcasts where you mentioned you like to bake cookies on occasion for your significant other. Who doesn't like cookies, right? Except our waistline. That's <laughs> so true. I was wondering what your top five Italian Christmas cookies are, whether you bake them or just enjoy eating them. Nothing else makes me feel like a kid again or brings you back home like an Italian Christmas cookie. This is the truest true of all truths. And there were Italian wedding cookies at the booth at Exotica. And I ate so many of them because I hadn't had them in a while. Oh my gosh. So obviously there's no wrong answers, but here is my list. So this is Daniel, AKA Dooner's list. Cuda Cutty, which is the fig cookie. Butterball, which is the Italian wedding cookie. Pizzelle, Italian NSS cookies and biscotti. So many to pick from. It's hard to narrow it down to just five. Stay well and thank you in advance for taking the time out of your busy schedule to read my email. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas, your friend, Daniel, aka Dooner. Daniel, your list of the cucuria, I forget how to say it, which is the fig cookie, the butterball, which is the Italian wedding cookie, the bazelle, the Italian anise cookie, which is that anise flavor, oh, and the biscotti is spot on. I could have not done any better. I am, though, going to add an item. I want to add some freshly made cannolis and tell you a little story. When I was growing up, my parents were divorced young, and my dad had us on Sundays. So he had us from 11 to 5. And one of the things we would do first is we'd go to Mass. After Mass, we'd quite often go to my, my aunt's bakery. My mom did not let us eat sugar, sweets, drink soda, anything. So this was our one day, or my one day, because I really like sweets. This was my one day to eat everything that I thought I would want to eat the whole week. My dad would take us to the back of that Italian bakery. The smell back there, I could still remember. And every tray was stacked with something that recently was made, freshly came out of the oven. I would stuff so many cannolis in my face, okay? I'd start there. Then I'd go to the powdered jelly donuts only the ones that were still warm. Then I would go to like a Boston cream. Then I would go back to canola. Oh my. And then the sugar. And then we would take bread home to cook. And my dad would get me and him an extra loaf of Italian bread. And we would eat the whole thing on the ride home from Easton Bakery. Okay. That is what I remember about Italian sweets and how excited we were when we knew on the way to church, we were going to Aunt Bessie's bakery 
and we were going to get some serious sweets and the most beautiful Italian foods and everything was so good. So you brought me back to that memory and I thought I'd share it. I thank you for your email. I thank all of you. And again, if you want to be a part of the mailbag, asklisaann at gmail.com. Matt Labrie, thank you so much for joining the show. Everyone follow at Matt underscore Labrie. And also make sure you go and listen to a couple episodes. You're going to love Decoding Success. Go and find my episode. Go down that rabbit hole. Very insightful conversations. My podcast sponsor, my friend, and where I want you to do all the right things for your gift giving and go to ticketrev.com. Download the app. No fees for buying tickets. My books are available for you at my store as well as my 2024 adventure calendar. I'm going to run a little special and blow out the rest of them. So get ready for that. And that's shoplisaann.com. Thank you for so much to listening. If you are listening on a Wednesday, every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, I do a live premiere on my YouTube channel. And we sit in the chat when the video component of this same episode drops. It's a ton of fun. Nice place to wrap up the week with my YouTube community. I thank you all for being there. I thank you all for being here. And thank you again for listening to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. 